Good morning. My name is Robert Ward, and I have the incredible privilege to introduce to you a great guy. He was born in Atlanta. He's the oldest of four children. His home church was Stewart Avenue United Methodist Church. And this is where he also received his call to ministry. He went to, he received a bachelor's degree from Emory University and also attended the Candler School of Theology at Emory, where he received his seminary degree. He was ordained a deacon in 1976 and later an elder in 1979. And his first appointment was the Waco Charge in 1976. Through the years of his service to the Lord, he also served at many other churches. His last two were Jonesboro First in Jonesboro and Mountain Park in Stone Mountain, where he served for the past eight years. Uh, he also brings along with him another great person, uh, his wife, Mickey. Mickey's sitting in the back, raising her hand again. And he and Mickey have been married for five years, and between them have four sons and five grandchildren and one grandchild on the way. So it's a great pleasure that I introduce to you our new head pastor. So please, if you wouldn't mind, give a big noon and first welcome to Charles Robinson and his wife, Mickey. Thank you, Robert, and thank you all for your welcome, not just this morning, but since we've been here, the times we've been down to meet some of you before we were actually here. Uh, you've been so gracious. You've been feeding us and taking care of us and encouraging us and um, going out of your way to make us feel welcome in this place. So uh, thank you so much for that. We are excited about being here. We are in a home and uh, it's still about half full of boxes, but that's getting a little better every day. And um, we have boxes, and we'll negotiate with you. If, if you'll come get them, you can have them. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since we moved, and we had accumulated a lot of stuff across the years, mostly me. And uh, we've given away and, and thrown away and, and pared down, but it's good to be here. Uh, it's good to have a home and to be in this community and to be welcomed so warmly in this church. It's uh, been a while. It's been a lengthy process. I've got the call from my district superintendent on February the 23rd, so it's been a, a lengthy process. We've known earlier this year than we ever have before. There's a, a new sheriff in town, a new bishop in charge, and some things are a little different, and uh, I think some of that's going to be great. But we are delighted to be here. We are just excited or ready to have the moving part of this behind us, so that we can concentrate on getting to know our way around Newland and meeting people and getting to know you. Thank you for the reception this morning. It was wonderful to have so many folks, so many sincere words of welcome and appreciation. And we're just delighted to be here. We thank you for the way you've opened your hearts and your arms to us and look forward over these next few weeks and months and I pray next several years of getting to know one another and working together and uh, working beside our God in strengthening a strong and great church and being in ministry in this community and beyond to a world that God loves so much. So thank you again for all your welcome. 
please feel free to stop by and see me and call on me at any time. I look forward to getting to know you and working together with you in mission and ministry and helping you in any way I can as we grow together in this new chapter of our lives. So thank you again for the welcome. Thank you for for being here this morning. It's good to see all of you here. And uh, if I haven't had a chance to speak to you so far, I hope I will before we before we leave this morning. Uh, it's been great, and thank you so much. And to participate in the baptism on my first Sunday was a real joy, and thank you all for that privilege. I'll uh, remember that for a long time. Our scripture lesson for this morning is my favorite New Testament passage. In the Old Testament, my favorite passage is Psalm 46. God is our refuge, our strength, our help in times of trouble. <clears throat> Excuse me, times of trouble. But in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8 in particular, has always meant a lot to me. I've used it on many different occasions, and I want to use it as we begin our time together, begin our ministry together this day. Many of you, or most of you, are familiar with this passage. So, uh, but before I read, I, I think a word of welcome, a word of gratitude, I'm sorry, is due to this incredible staff that I've been given to work with here. Maria and Joanne have been terrific in helping me out so far, and the entire staff. They've just gone out of their way to help me find my way around and find the things I'm looking for and know the things I need to know. First Sundays are sometimes um, a little difficult, a little nervous. Gordon Thompson, and some of you may remember Gordon Thompson, who taught at the Candler School of Theology years ago, told us, that if we ever reach a point in our ministry where we're no longer nervous, it's time to find something else to do. And uh, he was a man of great wisdom, and so far I don't have anything to worry about. Uh, (laughs) I've I've followed his words, but you've made it easy. You've made it much easier, so thank you for that. And also, we've introduced Mickey, our youngest son, Will, is here today with his wife Stephanie and our grandchild Della and grandchild on the way due on Halloween. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. Romans chapter 8. Now let's begin or I'll talk my way through this thing. Romans eight thirty one. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to begin with a few stories that I've pulled together, and then we're going to talk about this passage for a while, talk about separation and the difficulty and the pain that's often involved with that. 
But let me begin with a few stories that hopefully will help us to think about what it is to be separated, how difficult that can be. There was a man who turned to his wife in the kitchen one day and said, did you hear about those two next door? And she said, no, what did you hear? He said, well, I saw him at the mailbox this morning, and he told me they've been going through some pretty rough times, and they're going to be separated for a while. The young wife sobbed softly as she shared a Coca-Cola with an older woman in the apartment next to hers. She was crying, and the older woman slid a box of Kleenex across the red and white checkered tablecloth. And the young woman said, we dated all through high school and all the time I was in college. And she tried to dry her eyes. She said, he was going to work in the factory here in this small town. And those jobs went away and good jobs are scarce as hen's teeth. So he joined the Navy and they sent him halfway around the world to some place I never heard of. Some place I can't even pronounce. We've been together dating, engaged, married now for about nine years. It's the first time we've ever been separated. Mary was an only child, and she had graduated from high school the previous spring. Now she was taking one last look around her room while her mother and dad were loading all of her things in the trunk of the old blue Buick. The college where Mary had been accepted was 200 miles away, And later that evening, as they were driving back home, they were quiet. They were eerily quiet, and all they could hear were the droning of the tires on the blacktop. And finally, she said to her husband, what are you thinking about? And he said, you know. And she said, yeah, I know, I know. And she slid over, and she put her hand on his shoulder, and she said, I knew this day was coming, knew it was coming. All the way back to the day when we were busting the budget, buying Pampers. I knew this was going to happen, but now she's gone for a while, separated from us, and it's hard. The waitress at the truck stop just off Interstate 20, somewhere between Atlanta and Augusta, wiped off the counter, set a cup of steaming hot coffee in front of the bone-weary driver, He pushed the bill of his John Deere cap up just a little bit and stirred some sugar in the coffee. And uh, she started to talk. He must not have been a regular because she sort of started on page one trying to figure out who he was and something about him. She took his order while he stirred his coffee. And uh, then she said, you from around here? And he said, well, down the road, other side of Atlanta, somewhere around Austell. She said, how long have you been driving? He said, well... Several years now. You got a family? He said, yeah, I got a wife and and three kids. Fifteen pretty good years we've been married. And he reached in his pocket and pulled out his cell phone and showed her a picture. And they talked a little bit more. And he slid the phone back in his pocket and stirred some sugar into a second cup of coffee. And she said, why do you do it? He said, I've always been fascinated with these big rigs and money's pretty good. She said, anything hard about it? What's the toughest part? And he said, uh, being away from my wife and my kids, being separated for a while. Been an awful hot day. He spent most of it working in the garden and came in about dinner time and 
ate supper and took a shower, and then sat down in a rocking chair, his favorite rocking chair, on the front porch of his old been in the country forever, been in the family forever country home. And the rocking chair next to him was empty, empty except for the sports section out of the morning paper. It had been about two weeks, two weeks since the preacher had stood before that gaping hole in the earth and said, she's better off, she's in a better place. He believed that. But they'd been married for 55 plus years. Now they were separated. Separation can be temporary or permanent. It can be physical or emotional. Folks become emotionally separated. Jealousy, fear, suspicion, prejudice, a lack of honest conversation. Well, we just don't talk anymore. Emotional separation can cause physical separation and vice versa. Temporary separations sometimes become permanent. Sometimes we fail in our lives to get involved, to build relationships with people because we know that somewhere along the way there's going to be a separation. We're going to have to endure that pain. I've known and known of pastors, colleagues of mine, who sometimes feel this way about their people. I don't want to get too close. I don't want to have too many friends. I don't want to build too many relationships because it hurts too bad when you have to say goodbye. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. It's sad, but it's understandable. Even if it's not acceptable to some of us, you build the relationships. You get to know folks. You let them love you. You love them. And when the separation comes, by the grace of God, we get through it. Now, if each of us were to take a walk down the hallways of our memories, what kind of things would be hung on the walls of those hallways? Portraits? Pictures, maybe. Things that remind us of separation experiences in our life that bring back memories of folks who were and are no more. Places that we've left. Portraits and pictures of planes and trains and cars and buses. Difficult things when we remember. Maybe there's a picture of an old house there, somewhere we grew up, somewhere we went to grandmother's house when we were, were children. Places that are important to us. Sometimes there might be a calendar on the wall. Calendar from a particular year. And on a certain month there may be a red circle that we've drawn around a date. When I went to my student appointment, when I was still in seminary and just beginning, 23 years old, didn't have a clue about how to do what I believe God had called me to do. And I went to the little church in Waco, Georgia, two little churches. Waco's not far north of here, a little bitty wide spot in the road between Bremen and Tallapoosa. And I started visiting people. I wanted to know them and know what was going on with them. And almost always they would tell me about someone who had been important in their life, someone they had lost. And they knew the date and they knew the time. And I was 23 years old and I thought, this is rather morbid. But I've gotten older, and I hope I've gotten a little wiser. And I understand now that those times of separation become permanently etched in our hearts and, and in our minds, and it is significant. And we don't want to forget when those things happened and, and what those folk meant to us. So is there anything 
that cannot be lost. Anything that cannot be taken away from us is valuable and precious. Anything from which we cannot be separated in this world. And what has been called by many the most important theological book ever written, and what other scholars have said the most important section of that book, and what others still have said the most important chapter in that book, chapter 8, Paul was writing to the church at Rome and talking about these things that, that we've been talking about. The question is there. He asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall hard times or distress or persecution or famine or lack of clothing and material things in our world or violence? He said, no. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure, Paul said, that neither life nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things past, nor things to come, nor anything else, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's very affirming of that. He's very, very certain of that. Today's scripture lesson begins with several questions. Some folks think that Paul would see the Stoic preachers or philosophies in his, philosophers in his day and time on the street corners in the cities where he traveled. And they had a style of preaching and teaching where they would sort of stack one question on top of another. And so Paul seems to have picked that up in this scripture lesson. It can be very effective. Paul used it well here. What then shall we say to this, he begins, in reference to everything he has written in the letter up to this point regarding salvation and assurance and hope and joy and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's followed by another question. If God is for us, who is against us? I think I shared with some of you next door, and I've talked to some of you earlier, and if you've been in my office, you've probably seen the signs of it. Uh, I grew up in Atlanta, and I've been a Georgia Tech fan all my life. Now, this story, or this passage, made me think about someone incredible who had been at the University of Georgia. And, and that's hard for me to, to do that, but uh, <laughs> it says, if God's for us, who is against us? When the University of Georgia had number 34 lining up on their side of the line of scrimmage, the offensive side, they were going to move the football. There was no stopping Herschel Walker, it seems. If God is for us, does it really matter who the opponents on our schedule are? Does it matter who the opposition is? And make no mistake about it, there is opposition to good in this world. The church, the people of God, those who try to follow Jesus the Christ, have always encountered opposition of some sort or another. But the truth is, if God is on our side, if God is for us, then go ahead Make some room on the top shelf for the championship trophy because the victory is ours. If God is for us, Paul wrote, who is against us? Who can stand up to the force of good, to the force of God in this world? And then there's a question that reminds us of Genesis chapter 22. And to me, that's the most painful place in 
scripture where Abraham is asked to take his son, his only son Isaac, up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. I can't imagine. That's so painful and and so difficult. For me as a father and a, a grandfather, I cannot imagine. Paul said, if God gave up his son for us, what would God ever withhold from us? God provided for Abraham. God provides for us. And then three questions concerning our being justified and freed from all condemnation, all the guilt, all the burdens we are prone to carry. And all of these questions set up the affirmation, which is my affirmation of faith in verse 35. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? What or or who? Now just because... We believe that nothing can separate us from the love of God, and I do believe that. That's foundational, I think, to our spiritual journeys. It's foundational to the church to know that the love of God is always ours, always undergirding us. But does that mean that we're no longer vulnerable to the pain of separation in this world, broken relationships, folk we love die? No, no, no. It doesn't mean that at all. Those things still happen. And I remember a district superintendent of mine years ago, one of the greatest guys I've known in this ministry across the years, Dr. Robert Taylor, Bob Taylor. And he told us one time that when he goes into a difficult situation, when he's with a family or a group of folks and there's been a loss, especially if there's been a death, he always finds the person who was closest to the person who's gone family or friends, he puts his arm around this person and he says in his very gentle way, he would remind them, you know where your strength is. You know where your strength is. Our strength, our power to live this Christian life, to get through those difficult times is in that affirmation. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in this world. Bishop Joel McDavid was our bishop several years ago told him one story about one of his pastorates where he had gone to the hospital to visit a woman. She was in the waiting room of the intensive care unit. Her husband had had a heart attack. And she had been sitting there for, for several hours, and she was obviously emotionally and physically exhausted. And Bishop David urged her to go home and rest for a while. She said, I can't do that. He said, but you don't understand. You're tired. You're exhausted. You've got to go home. You've got to take care of yourself. And she said, no, 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 Pastor, you don't understand. He's all I've got, and I'm not going anywhere. We're not promised that we're going to be spared pain and difficulty and suffering in this world. I could tell you that, but you know better, and I know better. But we are promised that there is a power and a love greater than all of that that will sustain us. So let me try to wrap this up with... a an imaginary conversation with the Apostle Paul and see if he has anything else to say about all of this. Paul, Paul, I want you to speak to us today here in Noonan 2017 through this passage. Are you as certain as you seem to be about this separation business that nothing can separate us from the love of God? Can't hard times separate us? And Paul shakes his head and says, no, no. Can anxiety and worry separate us? Paul, look around. 
There are some folk who have PhDs in worry. Can't that separate us from the love of God? And Paul said, no. How about a lack of clothing and food and those basic necessities in this world? There are a lot of folk who live without those things. Can't that separate us from the love of God? And Paul said, no. I said, no. What part of no don't you understand? But Paul, Paul, surely you don't really mean nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How about death? That's the booger bear in the closet. That's the one that sooner or later we all face. Paul said, nothing. Life, a broad subject. Have you looked around lately, Paul? It's complicated. Things that we, we thought we could defend on have changed. It's complex. We don't understand some of what's happening. Life, Paul, that can separate us. He said, nothing, nothing can. How about angels and principalities and powers and demonic forces in this world? Things that frighten us that are beyond our understanding, beyond our capability to deal with. And he said, nothing, nothing up high, nothing down low. None of this astrological stuff you wrote about, none of this, the stars having to be aligned, none of that can separate us. Paul said, nothing. Or anything else in all creation, Paul, have you looked at the scene in 2017? Do you really mean that? And he just shook his head, Paul did, and said, nothing. Nothing? And then the question that I have to ask sometimes, can we separate ourselves from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Can we consciously choose to walk away from that love? That love will never leave us. We don't have to live in response to that joyous love, but God will never quit loving us, never quit seeking us. That's so basic to our theology as to who we are as United Methodist Christians. God will pursue us always and love us to the ends of the earth. And so that's my affirmation of faith. And that's what I want to share with you today. I believe that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we can affirm that together, and if we can be on this spiritual journey together for as long as God allows individually and as a church, we have what we need to make a difference. We have the understanding we need the love and care support one another in difficult and painful times to rejoice in good times. And we have what we need to turn it around and turn it out and to take this love to a community and to a world that God loves so much he sent an only son. That's my hope. And I hope we share that hope and that we'll live it out together as God calls and as God allows. Nothing, nothing will separate us from that great love. Amen.